Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah. You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more. Hey, the boys are back in town. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting live from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right. uh, my name is Mark Helsel, and I'm along with the crew once again. And this is, uh, who is this? Tell Mike me. Arnold. Mike Arnold's with us. John Price. And Marv Nelson. Now, John usually goes last, but we let him go not last. Yeah, I got to go so, in the middle. I'm got, feeling kind yeah, of thin part today. Yeah, all right. I'm the young guy, so I mean. <laughs> well, we're, we're glad you've joined us for episode number three. And this is a podcast where we're just four pastors, four normal guys who we get together and we talk about issues going on in our culture, relationships, theology, religion culture i mean every all kinds of stuff politics and we just have a good time discussing we're glad you joined us and along for the ride hey we have some great guests we coming do. up today um, so let me tell you a little bit about them walt mueller is going to be with us and walt yeah. is uh walt yeah, is kind of walt is a culture expert i i know very he doesn't like that word a whole lot but he's a very intelligent like guy who's for the last 37 years a guru mm. has been studying culture and its effect on people and and just all that kind of stuff. And our theme for today is Culture Club. And it's uh, nice. not not the band. <laughs> not the comic, 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 You know, that's... I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> was that from not the 80s? Do it. Not going to do it. Dash. Mike was embarrassed yeah, was last, the 80s, last yeah. podcast when we were talking about... <laughs> Boy bands, he was like, you could hear him on the podcast going, I'm, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Why are we He's in the background, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so our, our theme is Culture Club, where we're, we're talking about culture issues. So we have Walt coming on to do that. It, it's going to be a great conversation. And then we have, uh, which is very interesting to me, we have Kelsey Griswold, yep. who's coming to us all the way from Los Angeles. She was a former Miss Oklahoma, uh, second runner-up to Miss... America. Uh, America, so like, woo, way up there. Up there. Uh, nice. But, you know, and so she is now an actress. She just uh, got done with the uh, FX show American, uh, what's it called? Crime American Story. Crime American Story. Crime Story. The O.J. Simpson trial yep. uh, did really well, nice. and uh, she was on that show. She's in a. She's in different movies coming out. So, uh, really excited to have her on and talk about what is it like to be in the midst of one of the culture centers of America, yeah. Los Angeles. So that's going to be, it's going to be a good show. You yeah, guys ready? Absolutely. All right. We're going to be right back in a moment with those great guests. So don't go anywhere. But it's not new to hate what they make you do. First they pull all your teeth. Then they want you to Welcome everybody back here on Post Christian Pastors. How you guys doing? Good. Great. Yeah. Ready for our first guest? I am. Awesome. Can't Let's wait. do this. All right. Well, we have our first guest today, and uh, let me introduce you to him. His name is Walt Mueller, and uh, Walt is the founder and president of the Center for Parent and Youth Understanding. Uh, he spent 37 years, guys. 37 wow. years. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a long yes. time. That's longer than Marv's been alive. Um, <laughs> 
It's on, actually very true. <laughs> I know. He's longer than Mars been alive. He's been an expert on youth culture and family. Uh, Walt's commentary is heard on over 800 radio stations in the United States and Canada. He's written numerous books. He's a frequent seminar and conference speaker. I actually met him and got to know Walt uh, with you specialties when we were working, both doing stuff for them on seminars and conferences and stuff like that. He's a Geneva College grad right here in the Berg. All right. Ooh, shout yeah. out to the Berg. He is a Phillies fan, so Ooh, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of bad. Nobody Maybe we'll talk that. about that. No. But um, how the Sixers doing? Yeah, but let's <laughs> let's welcome better uh, than your basketball. Team. <laughs> oh, I'm from Cleveland. He's not true. <laughs> so let's welcome Walt Mueller. How you doing, Walt? I'm good. I'm All right. Good. Well, I'm welcome here. To chat with you guys. Welcome here to Post Christian Pastors, and uh, we're delighted to have you here on the and the show. And so you are a um, a youth culture expert. You do a lot of work with families and uh, teenagers talking about culture and issues in the culture. And our whole theme for this show is about culture. Uh, and so I want to ask you just kind of some things first off to kick off, like what are some of the worst trends that you see in our culture these days? And maybe what are some of the best trends that you see going yeah. on in culture today? Yeah. Well, let me just make one comment about what you said about uh, using the word expert. I, I just <laughs> yeah. every every week it seems like I know less than I did before. So <laughs> I actually don't use that word. Um, Sorry. Just simply because I think it's just a struggle to keep up with things. And so I, I you know, maybe a better word would be a, a seeker and a translator on trying to understand what's happening in the culture. I often talk about culture as the soup that our kids swim in every day, and the pot is quite a bit bigger than it was when any of us were teenagers ourselves, and it's holding a lot more ingredients than it ever held. And so I, I just think it's uh, yeah, everything's changing at breakneck speed. It's it's tough to keep up with it. So now you're you're asking me the question was about uh, what are know, some, some of the, what are some of the worst trends that you see yeah. in this culture, and what, yeah. are, what are maybe some of the best ones too? Yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just give you a few off the top of my head in terms of some of the worst, and and unfortunately, you know, because I'm I'm trying to inform parents. Yeah, we we're trying to help and youth workers. We're trying to get them to tap into the good things and encourage the good things and and expand the good things. But it always seems that there's a lot more that we we tend to be concerned about, and I think we should be concerned about. So I'll just fire off a few here with okay. with some explanatory sentences, and then you you tell me if if it makes sense or not. Sure. Um, you know, I, one thing is I think we need to understand is that these are not the worst of times. Right. Um, you know, that ever since Genesis 3, 6, human beings have struggled with the same problem, and it's just, uh, you know, basically our sinfulness. And, you know, human sinfulness, and kids struggle with that. There's so many more ways to indulge that. Certainly narcissism, which was the thing that got us in trouble in the first place in Genesis 3, 6. You yeah. know, we, we think we can do things better than God. We take control of our lives. We love ourselves rather than loving God and loving others. Well, I want um, to sit on that for a second. Where do you yeah. see that more in culture than maybe today than you had in the past? How do you see evidence well, of narcissism? Yeah, yeah. I, well, the evidence of it, I think, is that it's, it's really gone mainstream. And so as we've lost our moral compass the types of institutions that in the past would pull together and discourage narcissism with a unified voice. And when I say institutions with a unified voice, I would say the family, the church, the school primarily. Mm. And yeah. I think even the institution of the government would do that. Mm. I think we've made a, a, 
a pretty fast shift as we've moved, you know, you guys say post-Christian pastors, as we moved to a post-Christian world, right. um, you know, and a, and a post-modern world, we've lost that moral compass. So now it's actually, it used to be seen as a vice to be selfish and to be all about yourself. Now it is not even seen as benign or neutral. I think it's seen as a as a virtue. Well, it seemed it seemed like in the past, Walt, that like you you connected your life to a bigger narrative, but now it's like you're inviting everybody into your narrative. That's the narcissism, right? Like I want to right, right, and certainly, you know that that would that would go right over to a second trend that I think is I think is a wonderful thing, but I think it's a, a tough thing if we don't understand it and deal with it responsibly, and, and I like to say Christianly, and that is the world of technology and social media. Yeah. Because really, now when you think about the, I mean, the latest statistics say that our uh, 13 to 18-year-olds are spending nine hours a day engaged with their screens. That doesn't include time that they would spend in school on a computer for, for schoolwork or at home on a computer for schoolwork. So, you know, you're talking, I mean, that is an amazing amount of time. Yeah. Right. And they, and they, what's, what's that where they spend most of their time, according to the folks at Pew and at Pew Internet and Life Project. And this is, um, I think anecdotally, we all see this is social networking. That's the number one activity, and probably 80 to 90% of the time is spent there. Yeah. And social networking is a lot about fabricating myself, creating identities, trying on different identities. Quentin Schultz at Calvin College calls uh, social media or the Internet the identity fitting room. So yeah. we're in and out, in and out, in and out, trying on selves, different selves in, in time as short as a few minutes. And what's happening is I'm trying, you know... Er I'm trying to get the likes, and what's most important is what I look like and yeah. to get the attention. And so we also have this world where everybody wants to be a celebrity. Yeah. So can I, can I know, jump I in there? Guys and that's just not this. teenagers. That's just not yeah. teenagers. No, no, no. Mom no, is dead. Can I, just, can I just add something anecdotally yeah. to that? Uh, I was preaching about, about Facebook culture and this past Sunday, and we have a doctor that goes to the church, and he's he's studying for his boards, and he said— that he just found a new study, and he's going to use this for his test that he's taking, a new study that, that watched the brains yeah. of people. And the same space where heroin and orgasms touch the brain uh -huh. and bring this addictive nature to it, a Facebook-like has the same, lights up the same spot of the brain. That's great. Isn't that insane? Right. It almost has like a pornography addiction, it seems oh, like, yeah. on people's lives where they're just locked into it and become something that's highly addictive to them. And so then they live in this space of, like, like you said, Walt, trying to make themselves into the most perfect person or you know, the person that they perceive others that want them to be so that they can get as many likes as possible to fulfill that particular addiction. That, that It's interesting to me that, it, that the part of the brain that lights up heroin addiction and, and orgasm is the same for a Facebook like. It's just, how, how is that even possible? Yeah, yeah. And, well, you know. Ask here's Walt. The, he's the expert. Right. Here's the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, that's an awkward question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here, well, yeah. Which, which one are you an expert on? <laughs> Sorry. That's what, I got to clarify that. He was a youth culture expert. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's, here's the beauty of that, though. Because there, there is a beautiful side to that. Okay. So, number one. All the technology that we have is a wonderful thing if we use it right. And it really is, if you understand the image of God in humanity, uh, 
right. it, it really cries out glory to God just in our ability to take what God has given us, the raw materials that he's given us at creation, and to form these things, and as Andy Crouch says, make culture. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a wonderful thing because we see the glory of God in that. The other thing that we see the glory of God in, even in the 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 downside that you just mentioned of the addictive cycle with social media, is the way that God has made our brains and our bodies to be integrated into function. And really, what it is is a is a horrible misuse hmm. of a wonderful, beautiful system that God has put inside of us. Um, to, to, you know, I think ultimately, and I'm not a, a physician or a, uh, neurochemist or biologist or anything like that, but what I've read is that, you know, to, to enjoy life and seek pleasure and then avoid pain, you know, pornography is a perfect example. This William Struthers at, um, uh, at Wheaton College has written a book, uh, called Wired for Intimacy. Great book. And it's about the male brain and what happens on pornography. And basically, mm -hmm. it, when you read that book and you see that, that what happens to a 13-year-old boy when he sits in front of a computer screen and he self-stimulates, uh, you know, looking at a picture of, of uh, some, some sort of pornographic picture. And we know that, you know, the more you get into that, the deeper you go into it. Um, the same thing that happens in his brain is the same thing that happens in the brain of a man who has married a woman and on their wedding night is consummating their marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. And and the, the way God has designed that is that within the borders and boundaries of his big yes for our sexuality is that a man becomes addicted to his wife, chemically addicted to his wife. Yeah. But see, we miss in our fallen. Yeah, you're supposed to become. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah, we misuse the system. And I think, you know, and that's a great thing to talk to men about, a great thing to talk to kids about, that that's the way that works, because then they see the beauty of God's order and design, and the fact that the same thing is happening now with social media is frightening. Real quick, the one thing I wanted to mention was, you know, you talk about it at all ages. Um, so we've got parents who are constantly posting about their kids on Facebook and and developing a following for their family and for their kids. I often say that you know, social media it, it was was preceded by the by the family Christmas letter. Yeah, you know, right. which is yeah. basically what you send to another family and you brag yourself up and make them feel horrible. So parents are doing <laughs> irreparable damage to kids uh, in terms of growing up and understanding that my parents' love and, and my parents' attention and my parents' kindness it is all uh, all hinges on. My performance, you know, it's performance based. Family Christmas. Yeah. So, do you do a family so, Christmas picture? Well, do I? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't, I don't even do a Halloween picture. It's, <laughs> it's, it's awful. I mean, we just. <laughs> have you That's seen funny. me lately? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I did. I you did. know, you're. It's funny because yeah. you're on with uh, Miss uh, America today, so <laughs> yes. like a runner-up to Miss America. So hey. this is. You guys are pretty close. You know, I often think of this that. It, I was talking to uh, parents of children this last week in Austin, Texas, about social media. And I said, you know, it's great to be able to talk to you because you guys are still on the front end of this. Youth culture has affected your kids, but not as much as it would if they were teenagers. And But you still have an opportunity to really speak prophetically into your kids' lives. And I think the way to speak prophetically, whether it's uh, talking about social media, whether it's talking about, you know, selfie overload, whether it's talking about narcissism, pornography, 
or even MTD, moralistic therapeutic deism, is to use that. I mean, Jesus gave us such a great example of how to have these conversations. Yeah. When it was recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he probably did this dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of times. He would be talking to people and he would say, you have heard it said that. Mm-hmm. And he would lay out what the, what the cultural belief was, what people had bought into erroneously if they as they've been swimming in this culture and not even aware of it and then he would turn it around and he would say but i tell you and then he would lay out the kingdom priorities hmm. so to speak to middle schoolers or to contextualize to elementary schoolers preschoolers to talk about these things in ways that they can understand to derail this and put them into that into that better narrative you know god's story right. that we read in the scriptures is is good. You don't wait till it happens and then try to undo it. You want to prevent <laughs> it prophetically. Go ahead. Hey, John's, hey, got a, John's got a question for you. Um, you had uh, referenced uh, Andy Crouch and his book Culture Making. Um, what do you see, or do you see um, how how can the church continue to influence culture, or is the church has we have we lost our ability to influence culture? Um, how do you see that in terms of? Maybe some people who are listening to our podcast and are like, okay, um, what can what can we do as as Christians, as followers of Christ, to uh, to to influence the culture that we yeah. are in? Well, the, you know, there's two things that come to mind, John, and uh, one is uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, read or read read you know stories on or heard about uh, James Davison Hunter's book uh, to change the world that he wrote a few years ago. Mm-mm. Yeah, he's a he's a sociologist at the University of Virginia. Brilliant guy, uh, a, a follower of Jesus, and um, the Trinity Forum actually, as that book was being released, invited probably about twenty five people down um, to the eastern shore of Maryland and to sit with him for about three days. And of course, I went in, and most everything that was said, I felt like it flew over my head. I was in the presence <laughs> of great brilliance. So. I did That's a lot how I feel, of That's how I feel around to, Marv. You know, I, tried, <laughs> yeah. I tried to clean everything I could, but it, it was, you know, I read the book before I went, and uh, we, we had this great discussion, and it was just a wonderful thing. But what he talks about in To Change the World is that what we need to do is just exercise what he calls faithful presence, mm. that we are endeavoring in our lives uh, individually to grow in our faith in Jesus, uh, that we're endeavoring in our lives communally to grow in our faith in Jesus together, to learn together, to support each other, to be vulnerable. And we are endeavoring in our lives to live out our faith in whatever arena we find ourselves at any given moment of the day. And and so I like that, you know, just being faithful and obedient. It sounds like a cliche, but I think it's, you know, everybody wants a plan or everybody wants to give money to a cause that's going to fix everything for us. And I think to just be a faithful follower of Jesus in the in the presence of people in the world is what God's called us to. You know, that's uh, great. That's in great. but not of the world. I think it's and it's it's a it, it again. It doesn't sound like rocket science, but the fact that he had to write a book about it <laughs> indicates that we've we've really lost that. Yeah, so yeah, sure. I think it's good. So that's that's one thing. The other thing would be, and this is where I think in youth ministry. Um, I, I get pretty excited when I run into people in youth ministry who are teaching students about vocation and calling mm. and and that they're to push back against the dualism that's existed for so long that says that, you know, guys like you who are in ministry, boy, you've got a higher calling yeah. than, you know, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the steel worker, you know, the coal, I mean, whoever right. it is. 
and and th- that's just not true. I yeah. mean, all, the the whole world is the Lord's, and and all truth is God's truth, and and there's not one vocation or calling that's better than another, and we're to live out and exercise faithful presence in all of those. So that's why I love the know, CCO. They talk about that all the time. Yeah, so and good. you could probably tell I worked with them. <laughs> yeah. um, I was with them for three years, and then my time at Geneva before then really really shaped me to, to be thinking in these terms and so Geneva. you know I really I really have a passion to um, you know to work with these people who've gone to Taylor and Nyack and get them back. <laughs> <laughs> those, yeah, people, those people from Taylor and Nyack they just they're just lost. That's all a little bit, and they just need a little, little. You know, there are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, yeah. But we got to bring them. I don't know. Mark, serious. I was joking. <laughs> I think, I think, thanks for being there for me, Walt. Walt, I think that's so, uh, so uh, good to to uh, to point out because I think we have this idea where, you know, we have to be like have this like we have to be catalytic for change. We have to have these like we have to be like you know, these mm-hmm. <laughs> super. You know, we have to go do great things for God, right? We, I mean, yep. that's kind of how uh, I think for a, a culture, a part of our church culture has been. We've lost that faithful presence. We've lost that ordinary life. The you know, be just you know, living out the gospel. Well, there's a our, tension between right? programming, obviously, as ministers, programming and people, right? And we we tend to focus on these great programming moments, but some of the most culture-forming moments are the yeah. the hard yeah. conversations, handling conflict. Um, working with people and accomplishing a task or just getting to know someone being in their lives. Absolutely. Really profound moments that Jesus modeled. Well, I got a couple of questions for you. One sure. right here. Uh, what's one recent event maybe that you uh, can highlight that sheds light on where our culture is today? Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll give you, I'll give you three. Nice. And they're all, re- they're all related. That's a three for uh, one, Walt. Thank you. And they're all, you know what they are? They're all about selfies. Okay. Oh, so, good. so yeah, Mike took Egypt one Dare. while we were. Doing <laughs> I, I just took so one. It's out there. I'm going to tag you. Airliner. <laughs> it gets hijacked. Oh right. Yes. So, so you saw that selfie. The guy, the the Brit who got up and ran up to the front, a big smile, and he takes a selfie with a hijacker. Right. Uh, at the at that point, he didn't know that it was a bunch of empty iPhone cases that the guy had strapped around his belly. <laughs> oh, um, nice. So there why, was. Why did he do but, that? I mean, you, did he say? When you see the selfie, you're just going. Well, he just thought he. The moment he thought it'd make a great selfie. Now he's about to die. Yeah, he's going to go out. Selfie. You might as well let everyone know. It's like that girl who took this the selfie at Auschwitz. Did you see that one? No. Oh no, I haven't seen that one. You need to see that one. It's like so inappropriate. It's like yeah. Well, that's yeah. And I've seen some. I've seen some weird ones. I you know they're actually well. Let me give you two more that were related to that. There was a there was a car chase. Uh, after a, a house, a home invasion and a burglary in California, uh, just last week, and of course, you know the helicopters are following this thing because that's that's entertainment out there, I guess. And <laughs> that's what they do in California. These two knuckleheads wow. that, the news. that uh, the they're driving in a stolen convertible down the highway, and right before they're about to get caught, they they stop. I guess they did some donuts in the road, hopped out. And ran over to some onlookers, posed with some onlookers, and took smiling selfies. Oh my gosh! But it's just like you know, what do you? And again, you're just you're like, what are you thinking? And then the last one was <laughs> there was a there was an incident. I believe it was last week or the week before, and it was reported last week in Florida where two 17 year old boys. I believe it. Were, I lived there. <laughs> yeah, they they're driving a they're driving a car, and I don't know how the accident happened, but they were hit from behind 
by an 18-wheeler that was a gas tanker. And I guess, I don't, I don't know who was at fault. Uh, the car was still drivable, but somehow in trying to, um, you know, get away from hitting the car, the driver of the the 18-wheeler compromised his his tractor trailer, and I don't know if the thing flipped, but it caught on fire. He was burned to death beyond recognition. Now, those two boys left the scene of the accident. They were cited for leaving the scene of the accident. They were cited also for breaking some rules about driving without a license or something like that. But before they left, they took selfies, smiling selfies in front of this. And oh so in front of the tr- I mean, truck on fire, this, we, we can't even enjoy life anymore. We have to document everything, yeah. including our depravity. We've we've lost our moral compass that much. What, what, that is that, what does your analysis coming. say, Walt, about that? What do you think of those are horrific moments that people are documenting? Yeah. Uh, what does that say about our culture? Well, I think one is media has desensitized us yep. to pain, hurt, and heartache. And so, you know, we've seen so much of it that when it actually happens, it really doesn't rock our world at all. Hmm. And then you combine with that this, this I've got to capture uh, any moment that I can that I can then throw out there and, and you know, put online yeah. and get the attention, get the likes, because it's all about me. I want to be a celebrity. And, yeah, and, and look, I mean, here's the thing. This is the twisted way that people will think now. They'll mm. think, in all three of those cases, it worked for those people. Right. Yeah. right. Because well, we're th- talking about it. I think it was Martin Luther who, who uh, talked about a, uh, he called it homo incarvatus, which was a human being turned in on themselves. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's what you were talking about early on with, just all of our attention is on ourselves and we are turned in, become navel gazers where everything we see everything in through our lens and it's our world, our narrative, our stuff. Mm. And, and so we lose all sensitivity to other people and their situations and, and how we're affecting the world. That, and yeah, that even and affects, I would agree with it. I, I was going to say that even affects parenting. I mean, you see millennials mm. now. Like rather than actually looking at their children and ex- making you know making these experience, they have to document it, like you said. And so it's it's like they're they're looking at their kid through a phone the entire time that they're at the playground or you know this or that. And it's just one of those really sad realities. Put the phone away and just spend time enjoy with your kids. Enjoy the moment. Yeah, yeah and just enjoy. That you don't time. have to let people know that you're doing that with your kids so you can be like a cool parent or something. I, I you know it's it's a it's a pretty strange thing. I, I go yeah. and I watch. I people watch and I watch people do that with their kids the entire time. It's like, oh, smile, 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 and their kids are doing it the whole time. <laughs> their kids are like, I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. It feels, like, you know, it feels like everybody's on a reality show now. Do you ever yeah. think of that again? Yeah. We are all on a reality show. Like, you capture every moment mm. in your own personal reality show called your name yeah. or your family's name. Your profile. Yeah, and it gets this pretty pretty irritating. So let me ask you this. So what what is a uh, – one last question for you is, like, what is a hopeful message – you would give to parents or families uh, living in this culture. What, what are what are the places of hope? What where do you see yeah. a lot of hope? And what do you say to people that you're speaking to at your seminars and on your podcast? By the way, we yeah. want to plug your podcast. Uh, so That's you right. have a new podcast, right? Yeah, it's called Youth Culture Matters, and uh, it varies in length. It seems to be getting longer each week because yeah. we have so much fun chatting with each other. But you know, you can listen to it over the course of 
you know, we can find that on iTunes and uh, yeah, it's all it's on our website, cpyu.org. And there's all other ways to access that. But it's it's kind of a it's a it's a fun thing. I mean, we talk about youth culture and then we'll uh, we'll interview someone. So what hopeful Uh, message could you give to parents and families and just people in general in this culture? Yeah, let me let let me say this. And I once develop once a developmental reality and once a spiritual reality, the developmental reality is that parents always matter. And, you know, because kids were made for relationship, I really believe that relationships trump all this other stuff. I, I once had a father come to me, it was over tw- probably 20, 25 years ago at, during a break in a seminar, and he, I will never forget this. He said, don't answer the question. I'm just going to state it. And he's scratching his head. He goes, how can I expect my 13-year-old son to hear the still small voice of God when all these other voices are screaming in his ears? Come and follow, come and follow, come and follow. Right. And that's and I think he stated what we all feel as moms and dads. You know, I feel it still. I'm I'm a grandparent now with three little tiny grandkids and you know, I look at them and I wonder at that, that same thing. And the reality is that they were made for relationship ultimately with God and then uh then with parents. So so the the fact of the matter is you think you're getting lost in the shuffle. You think that you're irrelevant, especially as they move into the teenage years and start to become more adultified. I say adultified because some of them are still not even <laughs> reached puberty and they're dressing, right. yeah. you know, like they're 30 years old. But so so relationship, I say the same thing to youth workers, anybody, you know, and this is why the intergenerational um, relationships in the church are just so vital when it comes to worship and service and you know, fellowship, whatever it is. I mean, just be the, the full body of Christ together because those relationships are key. So that's that would be the developmental part. The spiritual part would be that they're they're broken. And, they, you know, it's like Augustine said, our, our hearts are restless until they find a rest in thee. You know, Pascal talked about the God-shaped vacuum. You can look, and I have to tell myself this sometimes, you, have, you can look into every set of eyes, every human being you meet, including the young uh, teenagers and even younger, and say, I know you long for God. I know it. And so uh, the, to, and, and, and the, the more deep and wide the brokenness is, I think the more the longing uh, or the deeper the longing is and, and, and the more real it is. And so... You know, don't lose confidence. Don't lose hope. All right, great stuff, Walt. That's awesome. Um, some some really good stuff. The people that are tuning in will will get uh, from you and and your wisdom. And so uh, we want to we want to wrap up by playing a little game with you. All right, let's do this. Are, uh, are you good, Walt? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know what? I do this with other people, and it's always fun to be in control. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Okay, so we're going to yeah. play this little game, and we're going to call it More Like. That's the name of it, More Like. And uh, and uh, so I'm going to give you two things, and you're going to tell me whether you think it's more like this or more like that. And uh, we're going to play this game, and I always have an 80s theme. The guy knows. The guys know I always <laughs> use an 80s theme for this. So um, two great icons of the 80s. First of all is Ferris Bueller, right? Well, you know who that is, of course. Uh, yeah, so. I get made fun of all the, You know, there's always a youth worker in the back Bueller. of the room going, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> yeah. so As got, if I've never heard that before. So we, got, so we got Ferris Bueller, all right? And so Ferris Bueller, you know, everybody wants to hang 
hang around Ferris Bueller. Everybody wants to be their buddy, everybody be his buddy and hang out with him. Or you have also from the eighties Freddy Krueger. Okay, <laughs> Freddy. so you have Freddy Krueger. So uh, nightmares that's your nightmare, right? Yeah. Your nightmare on your street. You don't want to hang out with him. You don't want to hang out with Freddy unless you want to end up horribly burned or stabbed <laughs> or something. So, so um, so you have to say whether you think this thing is more like Ferris or Freddy. Okay. Okay, say John Price because I have an answer. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all right. Okay, all right, let's ahead. start right there. No, say what you were going to say. That's oh, great. He's more like Ferris Bueller. No, let's start of. right there. All right, John Price, more like Ferris or Freddy? Uh, he's Ferris. Oh, oh he is. I agree. We yes. talked about how he just, on this podcast, nice has guy. the nice voice. He's, he's the, the nice guy, guy on, on the podcast. Okay, so Ferris or Freddy, uh, Snapchat. Oh, man, that's... I, I'm going to say Freddy because, <laughs> oh. you know, I just think... Because so many people use it in destructive ways. Yep. Okay, so and, that, uh, that's... you know, that, yeah. So that's I'll a say, Freddy. Yeah, All right. Even when you think about bullying. All right, number two. John's going to ask you number two. All right, the word yins. <laughs> the word yins. Yins. Somebody's got to translate that. Look, I, I'm going to tell you, I went to Geneva and one time I was my senior year. I'm walking up the hill and one of my friends was way in front of me and I yelled at him. I said, yo, like that. Yo, Tom. Well, he turned around and he said, as if he had never heard me say that before, he goes, yo, what is yo? And I said, I grew up saying yo. I'm from, you know, and I all of a sudden I really realized Philly. So in order to be fair, I don't want him attacking my word. I'm not going to attack Yinz's word. Oh, <laughs> oh, so you're going to so, give it a Ferris. I'll give it a Ferris, yeah, All because right. I like that. You know, and my wife's from Johnstown, and I really do. We love Western Pennsylvania. I mean, awesome. I love Western Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania folks. So, yeah. Nice. I'll, 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 I'll ask you the third one. Number uh, three. Number three, Ferris or Freddy, Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that picture? That was a long pause. Well, well, I'm just thinking here, you know, like, have you seen that picture where he actually looks like, um, talk about the 80s, the lead singer from Striper? Oh, from Striper. It's not even doctored at all. I mean, it it is kind of spooky. You know, I'm just going to, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put the whole, I'm going to put this whole process this year. Into the Freddy Krueger <laughs> game. Right. It's just driving like me that. nuts. Yeah. Every single, almost every single one of them. You Everybody know? ends so, up in Freddy Krueger's basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, good. Number four. Well, what about okay. the the haircut that stand it stood the test of time? Mullets, you know, business up front, party in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, or feel, have you ever yeah, had a mullet? Hurt, have you? Ever, yeah, I don't want to hurt Mark's feelings, but I got Krueger. <laughs> oh. That is just. That that hair that yeah. That I is never a, had speaking one, never of Western PA, you had a mullet, didn't you, uh, Mark? No, I did no. not have a mullet, so I don't know why my name was brought into this. So are you going to give it Ferris or Freddy? The, a mullet. I mean, I call that Freddy. Oh, <laughs> I'm with you. But, but, but you lot, know what? Now look, there's a I'm lot of people seeing, in Western Pennsylvania. I'm not Pennsylvania. seeing any of you guys, but some of them. I'm just going to say, and Jason and I, who co-host our podcast, we go back and forth on this because he's, he's, he's in many ways a hipster. But some of the hipster stuff drives me nuts. You know, skinny jeans. <laughs> you wear skinny jeans, Walt? Do I? Um, I? When I walk into the store, they put barriers up in that section. They, they don't, don't let. let they don't actually. Some of those stores, right they don't let you in. No, if you're like hustle. over twenty-two. You know, I, I said that. I said this last week. You know, when you go, Levi's has every number from one to a thousand. <laughs> 
in their jeans. And uh, I stay away from the first 400 because it goes up, you know. You're, you're a carpenter gene kind of guy, huh? Did I even answer your question? Yes, what I is? think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. All right, number, uh, I don't know what number we're on. All right, five. All right, number five. The next one is hoverboards. Ferris or Freddy hoverboards? Not the not the Marty McFly hoverboard, I know, but the ones they call hoverboards now. Well, they, they've been banned just about everywhere, and people are blowing themselves up. So, you know, that I'm going to awesome. say, just as a matter of safety, you know, probably Freddy. Fred, you actually end up looking like Freddy after, after, you, after you ride a hoverboard. That's All right, right. One, and one last one, just because i got to ask it. As okay. a culture expert, we'll call you that for this last thing, is uh, how do you just feel about the 80s in general? Was it a good cultural time or a bad one? Ferris or Freddy? Well, you know, I'm, I, I'll tell you what, I'm biased to uh, the late 60s and the 70s. Um, so I would, but, but I also love the 80s because those were great youth ministry years. Um, but I think the materialism, and the, but, well, it was two things the materialism and the use of hair product. <laughs> it would make that. Make, or the it, amount of hair. It, the yeah, amount of yeah, hair. Yeah, well, I mean, well, it's the product. The product. It's the both, yes. Yeah, the volumizing, I think, makes it many ways. That's the first time the word volumizing. I have great, I do have great memories of the 80s. Well, hey, Walt, thanks for being with you, everybody. That is Walt Mueller. Hey, Walt, Walt, what can we, uh, how can people find you or get a hold of you if they want to have you out to speak or they want to read your stuff or what? Yep, the easiest thing is just go to CPYU, CPYU, Center for Parent Youth Understanding.org, and uh, you'll find everything there. Hey, Walt, thanks for being with us. We are honored to have you, and it was so good to talk to you. And take care of the other side of the state over there in Pennsylvania, and uh, we hope to talk to you sometime Go Pens! (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's time for me to get off now. All right, see you, Walt. Flyers won the the last game. They did, because we had our B team in. All right. Uh, Okay, see you, Walt. All right, thanks, Walt. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, welcome back here on Post Christian Pastors, and that was a great conversation with Walt and uh, good times with him and and hearing about culture and youth culture. But I'm really excited about this next guest, all the way from Los Angeles, and uh, her name is Kelsey Griswold, and um, we're really excited that she's on the show with us today. Kelsey was a former Miss Oklahoma, okay, in 2013. Yeah. Miss Oklahoma, yep. been there. Oklahoma's great. She was I've never Miss. Been there. Oklahoma 2013 she was second runner-up guys to Miss America in 2014 Wow! and uh, so she almost made it that's you know the bronze medal I guess I think that's what I don't know what it is silver silver Silver. Silver. second runner-up I don't know silver bronze Oscar Uh, (laughs) she was a if Miss America couldn't perform her duties yeah it was that's she, like Kelsey vice would, president. Kelsey like, would take over. It's like the vice president, yeah. If, like, the terrorists killed all the other people, she would take that's, over. That's right. That, okay. Wow. I got married, maybe. <laughs> so so uh, she was also just recently a cast member on American Crime Story, uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson on FX. Uh, she's an actress out in, in, uh, in L.A. right now. She played Dominique Brown, one of the sisters of Nicole Brown uh, Simpson. Uh, she's also a spokesperson for Project Hope Worldwide, which gives um, holistic care to orphans. So she's involved with a great cause there. And um, and I got a chance to meet her years ago at, at summer camp and stuff and got to know her a little bit. And um, just really excited to have her on. So welcome, Kelsey. How are you? Hi, 
I'm so good. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, so was it okay? So you got to clarify. Was it the bronze medal, the silver medal? What what was it? It is. It's the bronze medal. Oh, it's a bronze medal. So two people wanted to go down. It was. You know, it's funny that like you know, it doesn't feel like third place. It feels like you. (laughs) Did better than third. You're like I'm second runner up. Yeah. Right, wait yeah, a minute. Dude. Wait a minute. You're third out of fifty. That's if pretty I was good. The third best looking person in the country. I would feel really good about myself. Yes. 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 It's, not about, third... it's not all about looks. Come on. I mean, that's that's. A, that's I'll a take it. I'll take right? some third best anything. She's the third best looking woman in the world in in 2014. 14. So and the con- two women that preceded me were, I mean, one the girl who was first runner up had two degrees from Stanford in four years. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and wow. cry about it because I was preceded by two women that are, you know, more than exceptional. So I've, I'm not bitter in any way. Nice, but we don't care about them today. We no. care about you. They're, you're a guest on our show. We care about you. We're glad that you're here with us. And, um, and so uh, I'm going to start out by asking you a, a couple questions and, uh, and just, just ask you, like, what is it like? So you're a follower of Jesus and um, have been a follower of Jesus since you were a teenager. And uh, what is it like to, to be in L.A. and um, you're an actress uh, in Hollywood uh, working in an industry that's not known uh, and not, the, uh, you know, we're not, we're not saying that's a bad thing, but it's not known for being uh, like nice to Christians. I don't know how do you put it. It's just, but, um, how do you, how, what is it like? So to be an actress and you were just in a very current show, um, and be a Christian and, and, and the whole LA scene and all that stuff. What is that like? Um, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it for you. It's not easy. Okay. Um, yeah, it don't, is, don't sugarcoat anything. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely want, I want, I want you all, I want people to know, um, that, you know, in the Bible, it states that we are going to be persecuted and we should we should be really grateful for that persecution as Christians because it means that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And, and out in L.A., I think it's more it, – it's difficult to stand up for what you believe, but what's even more difficult is to break free from the chains of, like, hiding behind your faith as well, which is not really talked about very often. But what I was finding when I first moved here was that I was piling on, you know, church events and small groups and like basically hiding in the church while I was living in a place that was so deeply broken. It was like I was saying that I was doing the work of what a Christian should be doing. I was living in such a dark place and I was going to be reaching, you know, the unreachable people. But the truth is I was hiding. Mm. And, and then when I realized, you know, I went to Bangladesh in, in September with my church, that trip, I mean, many mission trips change your life. It was my goal to bring that love into the industry. So it's not so much the gospel that we're trying to bring into the industry, which I mean, I know people will, they, they get freaked out when you say that because that is, that's a gentle subject. Obviously, the gospel we believe is truth. But what we don't understand is that we are, we're working alongside people who do not believe that it is true. And it is not our job right. to convince them that it is true because it's a heart issue. What I'm, what I'm realizing more now than ever is not that I need to be preaching the gospel but I need to be living the gospel yeah. because if I don't live the gospel, people can't 
see it as truth. They just hear it as words. So it's been the challenge of my life to like actually live that out. Mm -hmm. And I fail every single day. But my hope is that, you know, every single set that I go to, I bring it, I bring it into the conversation, not obviously, but in a way that people have to ask. And then um, sharing my testimony and sharing my story and then living those days out with those people, being able to share that kind of love and gentleness and patience, it, it speaks for itself. Well, so it is difficult, but it's a it's joy. And that, that's you living out First Peter 3.15. It says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared mm-hmm. to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And that, 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 that's suggesting that we are living in such a way that people who don't know the gospel or who don't believe it are going to be asking us questions as to why. And, and I think your point is, is well made about not huddling up in a Christian bubble all the time, but actually allowing yourself to be exposed to the world, uh, to be integrated into the world, to, to purposely hang out with people that aren't uh, in the Christian huddle or bubble so to say, so that you are challenged to live it out rather than just talk about it. Uh, so so I, I just I just want to commend you in that. It's I also, think it's awesome. It's really interesting because it parallels with what Walt talked about earlier in our earlier segment, just about how, to, how the church can influence culture. He yeah. says through being present in moments and bringing the presence of Christ in those moments as well versus programming and, and huge events. And so it's uh-huh. neat how you echo that as well. How, how do you feel like that's been received from the people that you've been on set working with and and just interacting with in in LA. It's not so much about telling people what you believe, but they they feel comfortable enough to to live their life with you, to want to grab coffee with you on a regular basis, to call you and tell you good news about I mean, that's huge in LA because people will they, they'll sequester themselves and right. you'll find that it's the loneliest city in the world. Mm. So to mm. have to be able to be a catalyst to create community in the entertainment industry, I did never expect that to be, you know, something that I would be able to do on my own, but no, it's happening. I, so. I like what you're saying. I have a friend who is a professional opera singer, and so mm-hmm. he's in like that part of the industry, but he mm-hmm. sings like all over the world. And he talks about how it, with his faith, you know, he just has to tread very lightly but he doesn't want to shy away from sharing his faith, but he just has to be very careful because um, in that industry, um, he has seen people, you know, um, kind of get blackballed out of things because they they were a little bit pushy or whatever. So I totally I totally get your desire to to share who you are and to share your story and to share your faith, but also at the same time to be respectful and, and to walk, you know, mm-hmm. gently with yeah. that. And that's I think that's a great that's a great. Uh, outlook on it. So uh, Mike's got a question for you. Yeah, he's going to he's ask another question. You want to shift gears a little bit, Kelsey. You want to talk a little bit about beauty. I mean, you've been in Miss America, Miss USA yeah, pageants, and you've been, you live in LA, and obviously cultures that have uh, parts of the, you know, the country where it has a, a high value on physical beauty. Uh, just from your perspective, I want you to talk a little bit about that. What is beauty, and where do you find it? Um, I have a I have like a long and a short answer for that, but my short answer is beauty is, is, is what is where God is. And I know that sounds really cliche, but what I mean by that is, um, I am never more beautiful than when I'm in communication and when I'm close with, with God. And, and that's not to say that when I'm in church, 
or if I'm in the word or if I'm but like even just talking to him. Um, I know that sounds strange because a lot of people will roll their eyes when they hear that. But um, I can tell you right now, I went through a really long period where I didn't talk to God, wasn't reading the Bible, didn't go to church. I was in a very depressed state and I no longer had radiant beauty, not even just outwardly, but I couldn't even feel it on the inside. And it was just so apparent to everyone that people kept telling me I looked sick. And, and I'm telling you now that like, you know, what you, what you mentioned earlier about the being blackballed thing, people not being able to step forward in what they believe. It's not so much in telling people like the exact thing you believe, but holding firm with who you are in that belief. Like who I am in God is a passionate, fiery, moving, change-driven person. I sense that. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And and, and what I want to do is I want to change the world and I want to make, I want to make this world different when I leave it. Than so when it was when I got I love, here. I love twenty-some-year-olds, man. They're fired the up. Last, I love it. Love it. You've been around it, but where's the last two or three times in life where you stopped and paused and looked at it and said, "That's a beautiful moment," or "That's a beautiful exchange right there." Today, I I actually <laughs> I met up with. I had a couple of coffee dates this morning. I had one with one of my co-stars from the film, and then so another LA. one with an actor. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> It's so LA. I, have a I know it's coffee. like coffee and brunch. Just get it. it over with because you know it. it's going to happen almost every day. <laughs> but um, yeah, this one girl, she's an actress, and she's—I mean, she's beautiful, and she has a lot going for her. But like, honestly, when I first met her, I was like, "Well, she and I will never connect because you know I just don't think that she has." You know, it, it could be a number of things, but like there's a reason why actresses don't connect. They're either jealous of each other or, you know, they don't feel like either one of them is really going to be authentic with the other person. She sat down and right instantly was just open book, honest, heart, just open to me for no other reason but the fact that she just wanted to be. And I was like, man, that is so rare here that you'll find an actress who's in your same category who wants to share with you the struggles she's been through to help you through yours. And that's just, I mean, like beauty, like, yeah, of course, red carpet stuff is beautiful, but you know, what's not beautiful about that. The fact that people sit on their phones and they obsess over it for hours, trying to become that person when it takes them thousands of dollars to achieve that same look, it's not possible. And you know what? You don't want it to be because they look like everyone else. And and then you, you have people that like, they'll go to the, they'll go to, places to shop and you're dropping obscene amount of money that you could be giving anywhere else and those clothing items won't even be in style in six months why are you spending <laughs> money on months. that that's and how like, that's how mike picks out his wardrobe he right spends obscene amount of money and then it's out of style you're out of style <laughs> right now mike i'm, not, I'm still so. stuck at the thought that they look like me yeah <laughs> that they look well, like everyone so else. kelsey so yeah. let me ask so kelsey let me ask you so when you were in the middle of the pageant world which it very much is its own yeah. its own world like what what were some of the things you had to be careful of in that world and what were some of the things that were the cool like there were blessings of that world because you know uh, you know it's not so, uh, i think i think people have different opinions about pageants and things like that but just i want to hear from you since you were right in the middle of it almost you know to the highest level the bronze the bronze yeah. medal in it. <laughs> you know uh what you were the third best pageant girl in the world third most, okay third best looking person in yeah. 2014 oh, yeah. we keep saying this yeah to 2014 well, I, but wh- what are some of the pitfalls of that and what were some of the cool things in that 
I mean, the pitfalls are are not nearly as big as as the positives, I think, because the pitfalls for me were different than any other girl was going to experience. Everyone's story is very different. Mm. For me, I'm I don't have a filter. So I would go into <laughs> I'm I would to realize any, that. So I would say whatever I was thinking and that would get in, me in a lot of trouble because as an o- Miss Oklahoma <laughs> who, you know, breeds herself a you know, a, a, a believer in the gospel and, you know, has, has been through a lot. Like I wanted to tell my story, right. which is not pretty. Mm. It's not. And I, that was maybe, um, scary at first for the organization, but over time they started to trust that my heart was in it and that I was willing to take the blow. If at any point somebody was, you know, going to freak out about the fact that I've been through what I've been through, the, the truth hurts my friends like it does and and really what the gospel is so good about doing that people seem to miss a lot is that it's the most redeeming thing in the entire universe and when you believe and live your life towards the gospel when you live your life and breathe what god has promised you nothing that you have done or are currently doing or will do is going to define you or your walk but it just, it was so important to me to go into schools and share that. And it was a problem because I didn't have a filter, the pageant training. (laughs) I didn't have years under my belt of pageant training. I competed one year and that was it. And so I basically came in as Kelsey left as Kelsey. And a lot of people appreciated that, but there was, you know, some backlash and that's fine because, you know, I'm tough. I live in Los Angeles. You kind of seem like, Let's go. You kind of seem like a good Oklahoma girl. Like, you know, like kick your butt, you know, like driving a pickup truck in your pageant dress. Like literally, I mean, maybe chewing a little tobacco. Yeah. Maybe chewing a little tobacco. (laughs) But I mean, the positives outweigh the negatives. I mean, the, the negatives were the fact that I was being judged for saying what I thought. The positives were that I was surrounded by people that were so more than loving that I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't even like grasp it all at once it was so much support and so much just like believing in me believing that i could do it i mean why do you guys think i'm in la like honestly the fact that i was miss oklahoma gave me the confidence to like really fight out here i mean yeah i would have come out here anyway but like i fight out here because i know there are people that believed in me once and still believe in me now. And that family is still very much alive. So, I mean, yeah, I could talk about the really like superficial portions of the pageant, which, you know, hair and makeup is always really fun. And like, you know, the outfits, I didn't dress myself. (laughs) How do you feel about mullets? You You did what? What'd you say? Uh, I didn't, I I didn't dress myself because I didn't know how, like people literally (laughs) had to come up and like put dresses on me because they were like, Kelsey, you look like when I won Miss Oklahoma, you guys, they came to my closet and they were like, so where are your outfits? And I was like, this is it. And they were like, um, okay. <laughs> this is it. Kelsey, I want to, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. Maybe, you know, some of our listeners might not know kind of your story and, uh, you know, your, your childhood was, was tough. It wasn't easy. And, and you overcame a lot and God has done some significant things in your life. And to, to give you this passionate desire to uh, to live the gospel, you know, when someone looks at your story, they might say, why in the world or how in the world did she get there? So, so how has that story shaped you now? And how has your faith helped you overcome uh, the, the stuff that happened in your life and, and, and the things that you're experiencing in L.A. now? Yeah. Um, you know, 
Yeah. If, if anyone doesn't know my story that's listening to this podcast, understand that anything that could happen to a person did happen to me in some, in some regard. And, um, and I mean, there's a reason why I'm so passionate about, um, young women who are being sexually abused and, uh, sent into sex slavery. Um, you know, at six years old, I was sexually assaulted and had to, and like, I haven't been brave enough to actually do anything about that until about a year and a half ago. Um, and, and now like anything that's happened to me, whether it be, you know, my mother passing away, not living, you know, living my entire life without knowing a father, um, being in the foster care system, uh, you know, going through, you know, drug abuse and, and really, and, and eating disorders and, and anything that really can happen to a person in such a short amount of time. Um, every aspect of anything that I've ever struggled with, I believe God has allowed that to happen. Somebody described it to me as God gifted you with the most horrendous circumstances. And I thought that was so strange that they said gifted, but it's true. He gifted me with all of these, you know, tragedies because he knew and he could trust that my heart was going to go out and attempt to change. Whatever happened to me was not going to happen to somebody else. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's, I haven't even scratched the surface yet, but the Mm. truth is that I have a deep passion to serve, you know, children who have lived without a father, children who've experienced death in their family, foster care children, children who've experienced sexual abuse. And now as an adult going through what I'm going through now, working with adults who struggle with depression, anxiety, um, the ramifications, experiencing a life of abuse and tragedy. and, 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 and that, it's all kind of, I feel like the Holy Spirit that lives in my, in my soul, he works on this like really intense, um, like volcanic level. I think actually being a Christian in this industry is so imperative Hmm. because you, you have the redeem, you have the redemption of Christ that every single time you come out of something like that, you're like, well, I was redeemed. So any of that stuff that used to happen or did hurt or was painful, or I did need to get through or, you know, survive, he's already redeemed it. And so I get to walk away from this clean. And that is where my peace comes from. I know that doesn't exist for a lot of other people, but that's where mine personally comes from. We want to say, I mean, it it is inspiring. We watched the video that you made for Project Hope Worldwide. We're going to talk to you about that in a minute, but just inspiring to see what you have come through and and still be the person that you are is is pretty amazing and excited for what God is doing in your life and and we want you to hear that you know it's it just it's a beautiful thing and God's redeeming things and and has redeemed things and it's just really cool to see so yeah. I want to let you know that that's that's really inspiring to sit here and listen to you, you could talk. Hear your strength in you Kelsey for sure you're definitely it's made you stronger for sure so john's got a question for you well i was just gonna say that um you know sharing your story of of brokenness and yet you know our brokenness is not where god leaves us right i mean he is no right his his promise is for hope his promise is for restoration um you know uh, we may not experience the fullness of that until or we know we won't feel experience the fullness of that until um until the glorification that we uh, receive in Christ, but yet we have those glimpses now. And one of the things that you're involved in is is Project Hope. That this idea of that there is hope, that there is restoration. Can you talk uh, about that and uh, give us some 
you know, information, how you got involved with that and, you know, and what exactly it is? Yeah, Project Hope is a, a Christian nonprofit that gives holistic care to orphans all over the world. And so their goal is to give, you know, not only education and food and, and, and clothing and, you know, all and, and the essentials, but also spiritual wellness and mentorship. So our goal is to really bring this, really what we believe is truth to the nations and more specifically to the children who don't have that being given to them, obviously, by their parents. And that is being brought over here to the United States, which I think it's about high time because, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of people in the United States that are without fathers, without mothers, yeah. without homes that are whole. And Project Hope's goal now specifically is to just bring that hope to the home and to bring that hope to these to these kids who are hurting and broken and and that, and right now we're trying to do that by sharing stories and making sure that people know they are not alone hmm. um and and bringing stories from all demographics and age groups and and cultural um cultural groups we are trying to bring all kinds of stories together to really just paint a picture that um, this is happening everywhere. And the only way that we can really heal this is to come together and support each other and to love each other. Now I want to kind of shift gears and, um, and you just, you just got done with the FX show American crime story, which yeah. was the OJ Simpson trial and yeah. the story of that. And, and uh, I don't think you lived that or you were pretty young. No, you didn't did live it. it, but the guys around this table, we all lived that. And uh, so there you are on this, the, the, the set of American crime story, Cuba Gooding Jr. Right. Was OJ. Give us one, like a uh, great story from the set of American crime story. Like what was this one great story of working with act- actors and actresses that you did and, and on that project? There was one day on set, and I mean, these are 17-hour days. Like, these are really hard. They're not, they're not easy, and it's heavy material. And, you know, in one room, we have me and um, Jenna Willis and Jordana Brewster, and we're sitting there in the courtrooms with every single cast member, every single one of them. And so that means that Cuba and John Travolta and Sarah Paulson and, and uh, Nathan Lane and, you know, and... Courtney Vance and Sterling Will- and like all these people are in the room and Ryan Murphy our creators is directing it and I mean this is we were filming the same scene for like 12 and a half hours I mean this is one scene that we're filming over oh, and over I mean yeah. it's so specific because <laughs> wow. I mean it was it's an it's a time that so many people remember the very details of it and so you had to really hit those marks every single time and um you know, I think Cuba just got really bored. And so he just, (laughs) he just, he like, he just, now he didn't do this in a crude way (laughs) by any means. So I just need you to picture it. Okay. He just like threw off his pants and ran around. (laughs) We often, we do that here in this podcast. We're actually all pantless right now. We have no pants on right now. (laughs) Doesn't sound crude at all. Because it was like, it's hard when you sit here for 12 hours. And he's in character that entire time. And if you imagine what OJ is going through at that moment, (laughs) it's a lot. And so he, you know, was very much in the character and just took his pants off and ran around. So that <laughs> happened. I can imagine and, OJ would have done that. <laughs> you know, and like there are plenty of other like instances where people would be on. Like I, 
I know why, like during in on the first day I was on that set and you guys, I didn't know what show I was on when I booked this role. Like nice. I didn't, they, it was so secret at this oh, point. They just told you show no up. One, no, literally I showed up and they gave me the sides. Like oh, wow. I didn't know wow. what I was doing. Like it was the, I was, it was the weirdest thing that's ever happened. So I showed up and Billy Magnuson, which you may not know who that name is, but he plays Kato Kalen. Mm. And I, I am obsessed Kalen. with Kato Kalen. Yeah, he he, I'm obsessed with Billy Magnuson. He was in, um, he's a Broadway theater guy, and he was on, he was in Into the Woods with Meryl Streep. And I saw uh, that movie yeah. like ten times. Like I love that movie. So I'm sitting there in the makeup room, and he comes and sits next to me, and he stole my phone, starts taking pictures of himself, and then just starts singing all of the songs to Into the Woods in my ear. I'm st- like sitting there, and this is like 6 a.m. It's a normal like, day. Oh, yeah. It's normal. It's a normal for like me. That's what I do. Like start my no day. Yeah, I'm like trying to act like this is no big deal. I'm like kind of laughing like, oh, this is so normal that you would sit here and sing to me. What are you working on now, and um, where do you think uh, this will take you? Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I hope it takes me somewhere, somewhere <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm currently, I just wrapped a feature film. Uh, I can't tell you much about it except oh. for I'm the, I'm the lead Ooh. of it. So you'll see me Are there on mermaids in it? posters. Yeah. Are, are you in Captain It'll America? Be... Is it underwater, <laughs> above water or underwater? It is above water. Okay. And okay. we can just keep has... guessing. <laughs> and I uh, know. And, uh, are you in has... star Wars? <laughs> It has something to do with um, the king of rock and roll. Oh, so, Elvis Presley. Elvis. I got that one. All got right. it. So, so, that, that's so you can't tell us, though. Can't tell you anything. Um, I'm actually filming a movie tomorrow um, that I'm <laughs> I'm playing. Um, well, I, I can't tell you much about that either, except <laughs> for the fact that I'm. I will be playing You're a, a very awful human being. So it's like very like she she was married to this very famous athlete. She ends up becoming like a meth addict and then kills a bunch of people. And oh, it's wow. all just Whoa. very crazy. I like this Yeah, a yeah. Lot. So it's not like <laughs> it's, it's maybe nice not the, like the most family change. friendly thing. But the beautiful <laughs> the thing about the film, thing. and I can't really tell you all the details, but it is the reason I decided to take the job. It, you know, because it's very hard material. But like, the reason I decided to take the job is because the story is one of the most redeeming stories I've ever read. Cool. So it's it has to be told. The story is incredible. And but we the reason I bring that up is tomorrow we film some of the hardest scenes. Mm. So it'll be very, um, it'll be really, it'll be really rough. But can, the, the movie little... itself is just. It's too beautiful Can to you not give tell. us some idea, Kelsey, how hard it is and how much work goes into preparing for a role? Because we just um, see what's on the film. We don't see all the work and prep that goes into it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I work maybe 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day just on, like, material. So, I mean, that's, like, it's it's hard. It's not easy. I'm in coaching three or four times a week in classes. Um, you know, it's 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 just not it's it's so much emotional work that you have to do and then that doesn't even imply like doing the character stuff so that's going through the script and dealing with like every detail of who this person is and then bringing yourself to that person so you know you wouldn't think that miss oklahoma would be able to associate with somebody that's a you know a drug addict but the truth is is that we all know those feelings of like 
addiction in some, on some level. I mean, if you've been addicted to a TV show, then you know the feeling, right? And so <laughs> you can relate to these characters yeah. in some level and you have yeah. to, because so, even if, the, even if it's like, you know, I've read first, I've read for characters that they're, I'm thinking there's no possible way. I mean, the truth, I cannot read for, for cheerleaders because the way that they're written <laughs> is like so insanely vapid. Cheerleaders. <laughs> get to that level like i can't get to the level of like how how ignorant you have to be in order to be that well so, just so you know marv was a male cheerleader at Naya college <laughs> killing it not at not at Naya college actually it was it was uh when i was a kid i was a cheerleader i was the mascot and uh anytime anytime there was a touchdown against, i did goals it's nothing against you know, like cheerleaders at all it's the way that they're written which is a whole other conversation that i you know wish to have with people someday is the fact that certain characters for women are written so like just just ridiculously i can't even take it seriously half the time so that's the struggle that you ever we go see the through. movie bring it on I, but I love that movie. It's uh, written well. Marv was like, in that movie. <laughs> Wait, you were? No. no. <laughs> you could see Marv. Oh, my gosh. She believed it. She believed it. Well, Kelsey, you've given us a ton of great stuff. This has been awesome and been a blast. So we're ready to play a game with you. You ready to play a game? Awesome. Okay, so it. this is going to be quick hitter. We're going to ask you 10 bad questions. I might yes. ask you a bonus <laughs> question, too. But ten bad questions. So cue the music. Here we go. Uh, we are we are going to uh, fire these at you, and you can just say whatever comes to the top of your head, and we'll kind of we'll have fun with it. You ready? Yeah. We're okay. gonna test your improv here. All right. <laughs> You're good at this. You're good at thinking on your yeah, feet. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Here's here we go. Here we go. Kelsey Griswold on ten bad questions. Question number one. Kelsey, chick flicks or Chick Fil A? Oh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, the girl the girl's got her priority. Number two, if you could run your fingers through Donald Trump's or Joel Osteen's hair, which one would you choose? <laughs> Do I have to choose? Yeah, yes, you have <laughs> to choose have one. To choose. Ten bad questions. It's ten bad questions. Okay, the only, the only reason why I say this is just because I'm curious to see if it's real, but Donald Trump. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Donald. I'm curious. I just want to know. Like, it, it, don't think it's Real. It, you guys know it has to be fake. It has it's to be. not real. Our last, our last guest, our, one of our last guests said Joel Osteen. Yeah. So, so you had Donald Trump. All right, number All right, three. Number three. Did Cuba Gooding Jr. say, "Show me the money"? <laughs> did he, did he say, you, "Show me you. the money" to you? Did he say it on set? Yeah. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. But he. That would have been awesome. I will though, say, right? I have heard him say it in person, but he didn't say it on set, uh, so I'm going to leave it oh, there. Oh, so you have really heard him say it. Oh, nice. Number four. Number four. Number four. Uh, Kelsey, if you were Miss America, if you would have won that and that allowed you to break one law for the day, what law would you break? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so Miss America gets to break any law whatever, for one day. One day. What would you break? Okay, you guys, I would I would choose... This is so silly. I would choose... Um, <laughs> robbery and um, <laughs> the reason why I would choose robbery is because oh my God, I this is really bad um, <laughs> there the, there's this craft store out here in Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> like, really expensive you have a specific really store stuff it has all the stuff that you can get and like transform your bedroom and like I can't I can't buy that stuff. I can't like You're stealing home goods. Wow. So, so wait, wait. I want to get this straight. You could either like 
You could either like sleep in the White House or launch nuclear weapons or anything like that. But you oh choose. Gosh, but you choose so taking it's stuff so from the craft store in L.A. Man. It's this very expensive craft store. The in glamour of L.A. So is astonishing. Wow. So it's a craft so store. So glamorous. It's a craft store in Rodeo Drive. All right. Come on. Okay. <laughs> you see Miss America walking out with all these craft <laughs> things good. in her pageant wow. dress that she stole. HGTV or something. <laughs> all right. I Question number no, five. It's a really, it's a really All nice right, here we go. Question. I love this question. I'm, I'm so excited to ask you this question. Since your last name is Griswold, did you ever go on vacation to Wally World? <laughs> no, I never did. I never did. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, I am... Um, I'm really, really, really close friends with the president of National Lampoon. I like actually, he was out of town and I watched his house for the past week. Well, your name, awesome. Griswold. Your name is Griswold. That's Why is awesome. It's crazy. Or like, Griswold's this, this daughter. Cool. <laughs> no, I was like, but that's like my connection now. I'm like, he thinks it's so funny that my last name is Griswold, but I like, people don't believe that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Question number six. Have you ever met Carrie Underwood, who is from Oklahoma? I never have. She's my oh, favorite. That's really She's sad. actually, like, I watched every episode of her on American Idol, and I'm just, she's like my dream. I've been, to, I've been to her hometown. All, All right. right, question number seven. This is about your boy band preference. Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, or Hanson? Really? You guys, I'm going to have to go with Hanson, because they were my first concert ever. Oh, oh nice! Wow. I, I had oh, no my. idea when I picked this question <laughs> that you, your first concert. That is amazing. You went to a Hanson concert. She probably has no idea who New Kids on the Block are. my first concert ever. I just remember, I was in the grunge at that point, and made me so angry. Yeah. Hanson infuriated me. Yeah. I wanted to beat everyone up when I heard that. I, I agree. All right, number eight. Number eight, if you could sing karaoke with one person, who would it be? Mm, Barbara Streisand. I'm 100 years old. Wow. I'm sorry. Ooh, I'm wow. 100 years old. Wow. Wow. She's Barbara an old Barbara. Stealing crafts. Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, you guys. Hey, everybody, meet Kelsey Griswold. She steals crafts and sings with Barbara Streisand. <laughs> you got a nice profile going up on Match.com right now. Boom. You're a hot, you're hot, hot, you're in hot demand on Match.com. Put, the, put that on your profile. <laughs> just teasing. Just teasing. All right, we're just playing fun. We're having fun. This is ten no, questions. True, though. First right. guys are dancing. <laughs> All right. All right, number nine, individually wrapped cheese slices or chunks of cheese, and what type? Oh, chunks of cheese, and I do, um, like, mozzarella balls. Oh, like, they sell them. mozzarella, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, they sell them, they sell them, like, all over the, L.A. The has the best store. food. In <laughs> and they sell them at the craft store, too. Question number ten, what was your most embarrassing show business moment? Oh, my gosh, you guys. <laughs> Besides Cuba Gooding, but no pants. Um, okay. Uh, wow. Like, <laughs> there, there's countless. Oh, my gosh. Did well, fall off I mean, the stage as a pageant of, girl. times that I've, like, just peed my pants on stage. <laughs> wow. Go. All right, that's 10 bad questions. I'm going to give you a bonus question, though. What is the worst pickup line you ever heard in Los Angeles said to you? I'm Brad Pitt's brother. Oh, <laughs> oh, Not no preemptive. Hi, no oh, like. Man. Me, miss. No like. 
hey, um, you're really cute, just so you know. Like, it was never wow. that. Just it so was, you know, like, I'm Brad Pitt's brother. <laughs> How did you respond was like, to that? I oh, just yeah. was, like, wondering, like, does he think I know him? Or, like, does he think that, like, he's somewhere around? Like, should I go and find Question him? Question like, 12, was, did it work? <laughs> when it comes to dating specifically and when it comes to, you know, crafts, I'm about as old age as it gets. Awesome. So, great. Awesome. Well, this has been stay great, rooted. Kelsey. We are glad. Yeah, stay rooted in it's crafts. Rooted. Stay rooted. Yeah. I'm glad to see that you are a rooted, stay rooted and grounded person. Hey, uh, we've had a blast having you on, and um, thanks so much for joining us and, and just giving us some great stuff and, and also sharing with us about your life and what God's done in your life. And, and just want to say thanks. And is there any anything that uh, someone listening to this podcast that they should follow you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, yes. Twitter? Yes. Anyone on Instagram, my name is Kelsey, sorry, Kelsey underscore Griswold. And then my Twitter handle is Kelsey Grizz, and that's where you can find me. Cool. All right, Kelsey, thanks for being with us, and uh, hey, we'll be right back here on Post-Christian Pastors. things up here on post-christian pastors that's been quite a show guys what do you think it's been great yeah it's been a fun time kelsey kelsey was full of fire information overload (laughs) she was passionate she could beat us all up i know (laughs) (laughs) at one point i'm like wow you could just beat us all up. it would be bad to get beat up by miss Miss america miss oklahoma Oklahoma. bronze bronze okay she got the The bronze bronze. sorry (laughs) all right she she would just waste us she would just wipe us out so uh, she was full of fire and just really cool to hear her story and all that God has done in her yes. life. And that was also great to talk to Walt and uh, all that he had to share with us. And uh, just great stuff today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good time. So it's been good to be with you guys again. Uh, hey, make sure you check out uh, Post Christian Pastors on Facebook. Look us up. Search us for us there. We're also on iTunes, Podcast Addict. We're at a lot of places that you can find podcasts. So find us. Uh, download it tell your friends all that stuff we have some great episodes coming up so thanks for being with us we're out adios see you later peace bye